1: a proud member of the Queen City Podcast Network and the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. This is part of our Craft Talk Friday edition of Charlotte Podcast. We're running in November December 2021, in which we're releasing earlier Patreon episodes, Craft Talks that I've had with uh, experienced authors. Now You may ask, what's Patreon? Well, Patreon is... A place where supporters of the podcast for a few dollars a month uh, can help us help authors give voice to their written words. And in return, we provide exclusive content. There are over 100 uh, exclusive episodes available at our Patreon channel. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash Charlotte Readers Podcast. But for these Fridays in November, December of 2021, we're going to be providing some of our early Patreon episodes to our general listening public. Before today's author and guest, uh, just a quick reminder that you can find out everything you need to know about Charlotte Readers Podcast at our website, charlottereaderspodcast.com. You can find our show notes there. You can find uh, all the episodes uh, that we've released. Uh, you can also find our community blog and a way to sign up for the book report, which we send out to you every two weeks with information about the podcast, good books, uh, doses of inspiration, that kind of thing. And uh, hey, we don't spam you because that takes way too much time. I've got one more plug, and it's a shameless one at that. This episode is also brought to you by my own books. You can find out more about my books at landiswade.com. We've got information there about my Christmas Courtroom trilogy, the individual books, and we've also bound them together in one ebook collection if you like ebooks. My next novel, titled Deadly Declarations, is coming out next year in the first quarter of 2022 it's a mystery we got information about that on the website as well landisway.com it involves the controversial and long missing mecklenburg declaration of independence a man dies while he's writing a book about the mech deck and when they find his body the manuscript is missing But that's enough preamble for today. I want to thank you for spending your valuable time with us. We really appreciate it. And now, let's meet the author and listen to the episode. In this episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Judy Goldman. She's an award winning Charlotte author. She's well known for her memoir writing. Judy talks at length about memoir writing in this episode, including the differences. Between autobiography and memoir, the narrative and the reflection, the importance of reflection in memoir writing, the balance between narrative and analysis and memoir structure. And to illustrate some of her advice, Judy also reads several passages from her book, Together, A Memoir of a Marriage and a Medical Mishap. Judy is the author of seven books, three memoirs, two novels, and two collections of poetry. Her new memoir, Child, will be published May 2022. Her book that we talk about on this episode, a memoir of a marriage and a medical mishap, it was named one of the best books by Real Simple Magazine and received a starred review from Library Journal. Her first memoir, Losing My Sister, was a finalist for both SEBA's Memoir of the Year and Ford Review's Memoir of the Year. She received the Sir Walter Raleigh Fiction Award and the Mary Ruffin Poole Award first fiction as, as well as the three prizes awarded for a poetry book by a north carolinian and silverfish review Press's gerald cable prize she receives the hobson award for distinguished achievement in arts and letters the fortner writer and community award for outstanding generosity to other writers in the larger community the irene blair honeycutt lifetime achievement award from central piedmont community college and the beverly d clark award from queens university Her work has appeared widely in many publications Uh, she lives in charlotte with her husband she has two married children and four grandchildren and as you can see given her background here she is a heavyweight uh, in the writing world and very much a part of the literary community i've enjoyed getting to know judy and to learn quite a bit from her in this book although i don't write memoir per se any novelist uh, who's telling the truth is probably going to say that some character somewhere somehow in their novel might have a little bit of them uh, in the character. And uh, in my new novel that's coming out, uh, Deadly Decorations, there's a lawyer in the book. Um, he's actually got uh, much less of a temper than I had when I practiced law. He's uh, more the southern gentleman lawyer, uh, more, more like my dad who practiced for many years in Charlotte. But again, there are things that this character knows and does that uh, I picked up over the years in my practice of law. So you can't always escape it, uh, even if you're not writing memoir. But enough for this. uh, Let's get to the episode. Uh, Judy and I recorded this a few years ago when we first started doing these Patreon episodes. And uh, if you like reading memoir or writing memoir, you're going to find this uh, uh, very valuable uh, listening. Judy, how are you doing? Well,
0: I'm good. Happy yeah. to be here. Yeah,
1: so this is, uh, th- is going to be an episode on writing memoir. But before we get to that, uh, many who are listening probably know Judy, but uh, a little bit about her. She's going to be reading some from her book today called Together, A Memoir of a Marriage and a Medical Mishap, published by Doubleday in February 2019. New York Times bestselling authors Ron Rash and Wiley Cash speak glowingly of the new book. Her book, Losing My Sister, was a finalist for both Southeast Booksellers Alliance's Memoir of the Year and Forward Review's Memoir of the Year. Judy is the author. That's pretty good stuff, Judy, by the way. So <laughs> Thank <far>. you. Thank <laughs> you. We yeah. can stop there. <laughs> no, no, let's go on with Judy is author of six books, two memoirs, two novels, and two books of poetry. She's won many prizes and awards for her work, which has appeared in numerous publications. Um, and she's gotten an award. Uh, you probably like this one as much as any. Asked any generosity to other writers in the larger community because you've been committed to that. Yeah.
0: That's a nice thing. It yeah. really is. Yeah. And and it's true of writers in North Carolina, period. Yeah. People help each other.
1: And I think since I did this bio for you, because you were on in my first season in the fall of 2018 for the podcast listeners, if you want to go back and hear Judy in the early stages of me trying to run this <laughs> thing called a mixing board over here. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that was even before you had the award um with Sensoria, right? Through the. Yes, yeah, yeah it yeah, was c- before that. You got that award too, so congratulations thank on that Thank well. you, thank yeah. you. And you're a teacher and um, you're out uh, teaching memoir in different places, right? I am, I do you am. Enjoy I'm that? spreading you, the word. You enjoyed it? You know?
0: I do because people really don't understand what goes into a memoir. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand what went into a memoir actually i'd written a whole memoir and then began to understand what memoir is all about, mm. so I like telling people about it. What did you first
1: think a memoir was what did you when you got started it's
0: well it's not maybe it, I started to say it 's not so much what I thought it was, but maybe it is What I really thought was that you just remember a whole lot of experiences from your past and Mm -hmm. you put them down Mm -hmm. and that's really your obligation Mm -hmm. to do that Mm -hmm. and it's so much more than that.
1: Yeah we're going to talk about that today because I think your title that uh, you came up with is uh, sort of what's the difference between memoir and autobiography. We're going to talk about that and we're going to talk about some other things that go into writing memoir but maybe we'll just start with that that heading there, let's and because I think that feeds right into what you were yeah, just talking yeah, about. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, a lot of people say, I want to write my autobiography, and <laughs> I say to them, you probably are not going to write your autobiography.
1: Um, unless, unless you've been the President of the United States. Yeah, yeah, Colin
0: yeah. Powell yeah. writes his autobiography. Yeah. Um, Landis Wade writes yeah. a memoir. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah exactly.
0: <laughs> um, it's the difference between the public life and the private life. Mm. And you know, a, a memoir is much more intimate, more personal. it's About the emotional, and the uh, autobiography is about the reasoned what happened to that life, the Mm -hmm. public life.
1: Yeah, I think you said to me that the autobiography emphasizes what is remembered, and a memoir emphasizes something different.
0: Who is doing the remembering? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's the personal over the public.
1: Mm -hmm. Which gets into the emotional, I guess, because, and we're going to talk a little bit more about what memoir does and how you can read someone else's memoir perhaps and and find something there about yourself perhaps through someone else's story
0: that's what we hope to do with memoir we hope that so many people ask me is it cathartic to write memoir and my answer always is no (laughs) Uh, that's what you write in a journal for that's why you keep a diary because you want to um, feel better about something. But when you write memoir, you're really looking for self-understanding. You're really looking to know yourself better. The reward mm-hmm. for writing memoir is self-understanding.
1: Well, can, um, you, can you say that maybe the first couple of drafts are cathartic <laughs> before before you fix them? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, because yeah. you're mm-hmm. really
0: trying to turn memory into art. Okay. And right. that's a whole different Goal. Mm. You see the difference. Um, memoir is the narration of revelation, which means you're learning something while you're writing, but what you're learning about are the deepest patterns of your own personality. That's mm. very different from catharsis. Do you see the difference?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of, I guess, the difference between... Julia Cameron's morning pages and writing something that makes sense?
0: (laughs) To someone else. (laughs) To someone else. (laughs) Yeah, what you hope is that what you write makes sense to somebody else. They may not have the same experience that you've had, but you hope that your emotions will tap into emotions they've had. And And so it becomes intimate between reader and writer. And
1: the only reason I mention Julia Cameron is I'm taking a little course now about the artist's way, and I'm so frustrated with these morning, morning pages. First of all, I don't think I've ever written any in the morning. I, <laughs>
0: so you're breaking <laughs> the law right off the bat. <laughs> well, and
1: she is a law, you know, she's a, she's a taskmaster. So anyway, I, I I've think, only
0: gotten as far as the first page with that, let that, me tell you that. that I have I, never gone beyond that.
1: And the, I guess the idea is kind of like journaling. You're putting down things on paper to kind of get them off of your chest or your brain and on to some other piece of Something else and, and that helps you kind of move forward. But okay, let's drop back. We're not talking okay. we're not gonna talk about ours. But you, you you said the number one most important thing you learned about memoir writing was what?
0: Is the use of reflection. Okay. You know, when we write fiction, we're so careful to tell every student, or when we teach fiction, we're so careful to tell students show don't tell. Mm-hmm. But in memoir, it's show and tell mm-hmm. You're looking for a balance of dramatic narrative, and that's you telling the story. So you're looking for a balance between dramatic narrative and reflective analysis, and mm-hmm. that's your reflection. So you tell what happened, and then you tell why it's important for you to tell what happened.
1: And so you said it's not really simply enough to write about the events that happened. You're Kind of examining the reasons for and the consequences of those events that give rise to that story. I think yes, those, those are your words. You, yes,
0: that's it. Mm. So you got so, a
1: quote from Vivian Gornick, I think, on that topic. Uh, oh, it's a yeah.
0: really good quote. Want yeah. me to read that sure, quote? Sure. Okay. Um, so she's telling the difference between a situation and a story. The situation is just what happened. The story is the emotional experience that preoccupies the writer. That's the insight, the wisdom, the thing you came to say. Mm. It's a really good way to explain that. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I tell people in writing workshops, you have to write about what keeps you up at night, that's another hint that you're not just giving a listing of events. But you're putting meaning to those events. If you just have a listing of events, what you have is a listing of events. Right, right. You don't have a story. Yeah,
1: you don't want to pick up a book and read a list, you know. No, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no. Uh, unless it's a how to do this or that or the other, whatever. But So, so right on that same theme, you had something in your book, uh, Together, A Memoir of a Marriage and a Medical Mishap, where you described this scene uh, involving a dry cleaners um, and— and you use that, I think, yeah. to illustrate this particular point, that it it wasn't necessarily the situation you were held up at gunpoint or the dry cleaners, but it was the insight that you took away from that situation yes. that related to something else you were dealing with. Exactly. In your life. Can you, can you it's explain? It's
0: really what led me to write this book. So explain that. Yeah. Um, so what happened in 2006 is that my husband had been having back pain, He went in for an epidural, which is a very common, routine medical procedure. Mm -hmm. It's so common, it's even given to women during childbirth. Mm -hmm. But something went terribly wrong with his injection, and he was instantly paralyzed from the waist down. Now, that led to many complications, many surgeries, many uh, runs to the emergency room in the middle of the night. So now that was in 2006. In 2008, two years after the epidural that my husband had, he and I were dropping by a dry cleaners. I was driving, and I was held up at gunpoint at the dry cleaners. I escaped. I left. Nobody was hurt, and I was never scared by that gun which was pointed directly at my stomach it was very close to me and but it never scared me it just made me sad and it took me a while before i realized that my husband's epidural and the hold up at the dry cleaners felt like exactly the same thing that they're both proof that your life can change in an instant
1: yeah you had a read that you did when i first heard you read from the book at park road books uh about the scene, where I think you—it uh, was—it was a very literal, uh, l- a lyrical scene where where you talk about a brush fire can just break out uh, on a un- perfectly un- sunny day. Yeah,
0: yeah. It was this beautiful day that yeah. we drop—we were going to just drop the clothes off at yeah. the dry cleaners, yeah. and yeah. and we were dropping clothes off at the dry cleaners yeah. one minute, and the next minute we were escaping from. A gun from a holdup.
1: And to tie back to what caused you to have this reflection, one day you were on the beaches in St. Martin's, and the next day your husband can't feel his body from the, the waist down. The next day right? I was
0: Googling paralysis. Paralysis, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, exactly. So, so
1: the things can change in an instant. So, so really you took, And let me say one other sure. thing.
0: All of that says we're in danger every minute. Hmm. And that's what the hold-up meant, and that's what the epidural meant. And so I couldn't just tell a story about my husband's misfortune in the medical world. Mm-hmm. I needed to reflect on it and say, what does that say to me? It says to me the danger that we're all in mm-hmm. every minute.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, we're probably going to talk about this as we go, but while I'm thinking about it, you say reflection is such an important part of memoir writing, um, how and when do you reflect best? I mean,
0: (laughs) that's a good, that's a good (laughs) question. And really I do have an answer to that. I tell, um, Memoir students, (laughs) beginning memoirists, don't worry about reflection in the beginning. Go ahead and get all the memories down. Get your narrative going. Mm -hmm. It's really through revision that you come to understand what it all means. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to stick with the work long enough where it appears that you had that self-understanding all along but Mm -hmm. most of us don't have the self-understanding all along
1: so your suggestion is um that it's going to be kind of it'll become naturally a part of the writing process that as you're writing these events that Maybe some of these reflections will come to you, but go ahead and get the events down on paper.
0: It's not so natural. Okay. Uh, although, <laughs>
1: although... <laughs> well, it is for you, Judy. I mean, it might not be for me. <laughs> well, it, it,
0: it wasn't natural for me okay. until I learned what an important uh, facet of memoir this is. But um, it it is a gradual understanding of the meaning of your experience mm-hmm. um, and the meaning is really more interesting to your reader than the experience itself. Mm-hmm. That's the point. When I go around talking about my book, people are always pointing out the insight that I gained from really delving into that experience. The experiences are really very small moments. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's the little things that break your mm-hmm. heart, mm-hmm. but it's what you do with those little things mm-hmm. that break your heart.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's get back to this topic of uh, using balance uh, between the dramatic narrative and the reflective analysis. You say there's some give and take that goes on between that. You you talked about show and tell, story and reflection. Um, You're a good student. So (laughs) You got it. (laughs) So how do you, as you're writing the narrative, okay, and let me see if I understand. You, you said kind of. I think you kind of said, "Don't worry too much. Let's get some of these memories down on paper." right? Yes. Yes. And Let's get so, the story going. Okay. And do you carry like a notebook around? Do you carry? Do you talk into a recorder? Do you? How do you?
0: I have a whole notebook system.
1: Okay. Uh, Um, I have a central. The top secret Judy Goldman notebook system? It's
0: not top secret, but (laughs) it is a whole intricate network. I have a central journal that I keep by my computer. Okay. But then I have um, adjunct journals, one in my purse, one in the car, and one beside the bed. Mm -hmm. Because when something comes to you, you think you're going to remember it, but you don't. So I write Mm -hmm. it down as soon as I remember it. And then I transfer everything from the adjunct journals into my main journal, which is next to my computer. But I'm calling it a journal. I really should call it what you called it, a notebook. Mm -hmm. It's not a journal. I'm Mm -hmm. not saying what I did every day and how I feel about Mm it. It's just particular things that occur to me that I could put into um a memoir and the more you remember the more you remember mm.
1: so are you, so you you almost sound like you're a, a prospector uh, a little bit out there looking yeah. for for the golden nuggets uh, of looking for gold yeah yeah and and do you do that do, do you have these reflect do these reflections come to you because of something that you see, smell, hear? I mean, how how many different kinds of things are you recording in your adjunct books and what sparks those reflections?
0: I believe the notebooks are more useful for conjuring up memories, not necessarily the reflection. I have to work at the reflection. I have to think about it. Hmm what did I think then when I was going through it? And what do I think now that I look back on that time? So that takes work. I mean, it's not natural. It's gradual, but it's not natural. Mm -hmm. It's something you have to work at and be aware that that is what turns um, memories into a story
1: yeah now so remember dragnet you know joe friday just the facts man you know, exactly that, we that,
0: don't want just the facts that, here no that's, we that's, don't
1: that, that's the narrative right and, yeah and, and so but i guess my question there is you've got this narrative you got these facts um in memoir writing is your muse kind of the the person or thing or spirit or whatever that helps you with this reflection is it uh is that sort of at your writing desk Your You're sitting down, you've got these facts, and now you're going to sit and you're going to reflect and you're going to write about your reflection?
0: I'm going to give you an example of this, okay? Good. Um, I remember when I was first starting to work on this memoir together, and one of the memories that just floated up in my mind was the whole issue Of which movies my husband and I would see. And it changed a lot (laughs) (laughs) between the first year of our marriage and all the years that came after that. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So let me read. Sure. Let me read you this chapter because all Mm. I came up with in my notebook was just the memory of movies and how well, let me read it, yes, and this will explain it. Just a couple
1: of pages. Yeah, it's a couple of
0: pages, and at the very end, you'll hear the reflection. What? Here's what I came to tell you, reader. That last sentence is what it is. Okay, I do not love those movies that fill you with anxiety because you're waiting for one person to do something awful to another person. Henry, on the other hand, does love them. When we got married. I thought I would just change, or rather, I let him talk me into changing, which means in 1971, I reluctantly went with him to see Straw Dogs starring Dustin Hoffman. Did you see that movie, Landis?
1: I don't remember that movie.
0: (laughs) You're so—okay, I'm going to tell you what it was about. (laughs) Okay. The plot— A young American and his English wife move to rural England and they face increasingly violent local harassment. Mainly what I remember from the movie are the farm implements and the creative, horrible ways that they were used. I don't remember much more about the movie because I spent most of it out in the lobby alone in irritable silence waiting for it to end, and for Henry to come out so we could go home. In those days, lobbies were dim and deserted while a movie played. I sat in that worn velvet chair, listening for footsteps, imagining people with bad intentions standing over me, whispering in my ear. I kept jerking around to see if somebody had suddenly come up behind me. When the movie was finally over and Henry joined me, I walked three steps ahead of him all the way to the car, made sure he saw the set of my shoulders straight and fixed, my purposeful and self-righteous stride. I don't think we hammered the whole thing out for years, but eventually we did reach an understanding. I did not see Jaws in 1975 or the Deer Hunter in 1978 or Platoon in 1986 or The Silence of the Lambs in 1991, or Pulp Fiction in 1994, or Saving Private Ryan in 1998, or any of the violent movies that came after that, Henry did with a friend or a son or a son-in-law. The bony wrestling that couples engage in.
1: Yeah, so you just got this one line, right? It's
0: just one <laughs> bit of reflection. Now, yeah. picture that chapter without the last line. What's the point? Why mm. am I telling you about this? Yeah. It's just it's to illustrate that it's the very, very tiny everyday things that each of us, the traits that each of us, the preferences, the attitudes that each of us bring to a marriage, and how those can cause. Tiny little explosions.
1: Well, I did see all the other movies you mentioned.
0: Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah, oh, I, Henry could have called you to go with him. <laughs> he could have,
1: although I, I had a hard time watching Silence of the Lambs and Pulp Fiction and even <laughs> Saving Private Ryan with all the violence there. Deer Hunter, too, as well. The jaws were just scary, you know. But a uh, funny story there, when my wife and I first dated in law school, our very first date, I think, was on Halloween. And, you know, what do you do, right? You... You turn the lights off and watch a scary movie, right? Halloween. Now that's a terrible movie to watch. Just a slashing and all this kind of stuff. I don't think we watched a Halloween movie since then. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you on the on the blood and guts part of it. Okay, so that's a good illustration then of the kind of um, you know how you had in that particular chapter. Most of it is the historical narrative it, with with some voice. And but some yeah, humor, you, you're and you, getting
0: my you, attitude. You, you can in there. see
1: the attitude. Yeah. you can see what's coming. Yeah. And, but, but
0: what it all comes down to? Right. What is the wisdom? What's the insight that I want to give you? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's the, the bony the, wrestling,
1: right? These things happen in a marriage. right? These yeah. things happen. Yeah. They're yeah.
0: not the end of a marriage, right? But but they you know they take some attention.
1: So you told me, Judy, about this uh, idea of the voice of innocence and the voice of experience. Does that tie in a little bit to what you just read here?
0: Yes. So the voice of innocence is just the story. It's the story of Henry and me and violent movies. Mm -hmm. And then the voice of experience is here's what. I want you to get from this, dear Rita. Mm -hmm. This is what I've come to tell you. I want Mm -hmm. to tell you that it's the bony wrestling that all couples engage in. It's that one line of reflection, and that's the voice of experience. And you you
1: call that the mature voice that you said goes deeper. Yes, Uh, we want to go deep, not wide. Examine what the story means. Yes, Uh, Now, and you say this is what the lived moment means. So so that's kind of what it was for you at the time. Yes, exactly.
0: That you're you're really working to discover the unknown. You're you're working to discover what you may not have understood at the time. But now looking back, um, you're seeing parts of yourself that you didn't really know back then.
1: How long does it take... uh, should it take? Does it take? Uh, maybe it's different in all cases. But how long does a narrative have to gel to find that voice of experience? Because what you're telling about in this book, that particular scene happened a long time ago. I right. Mean, it, but you're now putting in a book, you know, years later and reflecting on it. Would, that reflection probably would have been different, you know, right after it happened, than than. Yes. Years years later.
0: And often what you're doing is including the reflection, what you were thinking then. Okay. Uh How it felt to you then, and then years have passed, and how you feel about it now. But this leads in Uh to another important thing Uh you need to know if you're going to write memoir. And that is that most memoirs seek to answer a central question. And you don't always even understand what that question is when you first set out to write the memoir.
1: And the question is?
0: So I think (laughs) the question that I was trying to answer in my memoir together um, I wanted to find out how couples adapt or fail to adapt to the changes that take place in every relationship you know i mean we're all going to experience change we're going to experience the slow gradual changes brought about by the passage of time and we're going to experience the sudden dramatic changes that take us by surprise so how and these cause our identities Change, they cause our roles to shift. So, how do we adjust to all this? Mm-hmm. I think that was my central question when I set out to write this memoir.
1: So, if Janet were, my wife Janet, were writing a memoir, it'd be sort of like, how did I put up with Landis for all these years?
0: <laughs> <laughs> or maybe why did I marry him? Or why help I mean, me remember that. <laughs> help me remember
1: this. Uh, you yeah. know, we, we don't want to remember too many things that happened. She, <laughs> maybe she's got but, Well, and,
0: but, and, I, and going but, along with your wife, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I'll tell you um, yeah. what I realized as I worked on this memoir longer, and maybe, maybe I had even completed a draft when I realized the big question for me with this memoir was how do I forgive? Mm. That was probably the biggest question. Mm. Um, I had to figure out how I could forgive the doctor who administered the injection. He didn't set out to harm my husband. He only wanted to help him. And imagine how he felt giving a routine injection that he'd given thousands of. Imagine how he felt to have a patient who couldn't move his legs he must have been Mm -hmm. frightened Mm -hmm. so I had to um, get inside the doctor's skin and realize that we all just do the best we can but then I also needed to forgive my husband because when everything started happening and then we were dealing with the aftermath of what happened um, I started thinking why didn't he try physical therapy why didn't Mm -hmm. he try acupuncture why didn't he uh, Try reflexology or crystals. I don't know what crystals are, but something about crystals people do to get well. Uh, do you know about crystals? I don't. I, I, no. um, but anyway, why <laughs> didn't he try them? Um,
1: mm-hmm. Because it, it looked like uh, a procedure that was safe, right?
0: Exactly. But what I had to come to is number one, we made that decision together for him to have the epidural. Right. And number two, he was hurting. He just wanted to feel better. Mm-hmm. But I want to say one more thing about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I also needed to forgive myself. Mm. Um, I just wanted to keep him safe. That's all any of us wants to do. We all want to just keep the people we love safe. And I couldn't do that. So I had to Mm. forgive myself. So that's something that people should think about and consider while they're writing a memoir. What is my question here? What am I trying to answer for myself?
1: Mm. Okay, so as we're searching for those answers, as we're thinking about the narrative, writing the narrative, reflecting, um, we're going to get something down on paper. But I noticed in a recent Facebook post that you had a... uh, I think it was some kind of basket full of uh, drafts, and you were asking. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting, at my, I'm sitting at
0: my desk working <laughs> on a new memoir, and yeah. I turned around and I thought, oh my gosh, yeah. that feels heavy, that big yeah. basket full of drafts. So. Yeah, and you
1: sometimes send out these questions on Facebook, you you know, take a picture of, what, what do you all think, how many drafts does it take, or <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing. You got- I like
0: to ask yeah. other people if they're yeah. going through what I'm going through, it yeah. makes me feel better. Yeah,
1: and uh, you got some good responses, but I guess it leads to the the question about revision and, you know, what you have to say about that in the process of writing memoir.
0: Well, okay, let me talk about revision. And let me say this, that as you work and as you revise, what you often find is hard knowledge about yourself. I mean, writers are poor, pitiful, pathetic creatures. (laughs) I mean, we all just want to be... We want to be liked, Judy.
1: You're just telling it like it is. Right? I'm telling it.
0: I'm telling it like it is. Yeah. But we do. We just want to be liked. We're all like that, really. Writers yeah, yeah. and non-writers. And and while you're working on a memoir and you're dealing with reflection and you're dealing with your central question, what you often find out is that you're not really the wonderful, loving, gentle, kind person you thought you were. <laughs> when I was in the hospital during those days that my mm-hmm. husband was. Um, being prepped to go home, um, I wasn't always kind to people who worked in hospitals.
1: But you explained that I heard you when you got your award uh, at, at Central P Minus Assuria. You talked about this very issue about how you, your kids, uh, yes. came up to you and said. In the hospital, do you know what your face looks like?
0: Exactly. They wanted to talk to me about how I arrange my face. And you
1: were like, what are you talking about? We've got other more important things I'm thinking
0: here. that is the last thing I'm thinking about yeah. is the arrangement of my features on yeah. my face. But what they were trying to say to me is, Mom, when you're worried, when you're frightened— you look mad.
1: Yeah, at and, the, at, the, at all the people around here they're trying to help your husband. Exactly. You know. Exactly. Do you think doctors get trained and get used to that because I mean, they've got to see that in people a lot, you know, th- this nervousness, this fear and
0: translates into something translates unpleasant. In some, yeah, yeah, I
1: mean, sometimes it, it could, you know, if they had a thin skin, it could be you're being very critical of me. I'm just trying to help your your husband. Right. You know, you know, but, right.
0: And from you know. the patient's perspective, we need those doctors and nurses and aides. Yeah, I mean, we need absolutely. to be friends with them. We need to. Absolutely. We're a team together trying to help this person get better. Um, so, so but, you had
1: this sort of. I think you're getting to maybe a point that uh, I've said several times on my podcast when I talk to memoir writers, which is. You have to be twice as hard on yourself. Yes, yes, <laughs> as, you have to be as, twice as, as
0: hard as you, on yourself uh, as you are on or, anybody else, and mm, that that you have to be honest. You know mm. that that what you really want to portray is charm, but what you really need to portray is honesty. You have to get it more right than pretty,
1: mm. and. How hard is? I mean, you talked about us writers being needy people and not lacking rejection. How do you guard against uh, the vanity that you know many, many writers and people have when it comes to being to, to making sure that you're twice as hard on yourself? Because only you know the story, and oh. your, your editor can't add to the story. You know, you've got to get it in there so they can tell you whether to keep it or not, right?
0: Listen, <laughs> if you had read the first draft of this book, yeah. you would have thought I was this fabulous person in the hospital, that I was bringing <laughs> baked cookies and yeah. potted palms to yeah. everybody who yeah. even said hello to us in the hospital halls. Take, you would take, have thought I was great.
1: Taking all the nurse assistants out to dinner.
0: Exactly. And, yeah. and I was not great all the time. I was not. And I really had to examine and re-examine who I was at that time. Did
1: you realize that, or did somebody ask you enough questions to get you to realize that? I mean I, that's a good question.
0: Yeah. Um, I have to think about that. Um, I think I think I realized it. But when I, no, 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 Judy, be honest, be honest. Okay, I'm going to try really (laughs) hard to be honest right now (laughs) and not portray myself as fabulous. It was really when I remembered my kids taking, my grown married kids, taking me out to lunch and talking to me about how I look in the hospital. (laughs) When I remembered that, then I had to think, why did they have to do that? Oh, it's because I was not that pleasant, kind, gentle lady that I imagined myself to be. That's and, when I realized and, it.
1: And, and, you know, the, the the difficulty there is that probably 90% or more of the time you are doing the best you can to be that person, but you have these things that happen. You know, I, every now and then I, I lose my temper, right? And you do sure. something you want to—you regret. Well, then writing that down for all the world to see— how do you get to that point? <laughs> you know. Well, if you're
0: writing memoir, you're <laughs> you, gonna do that. You're gonna, have you're to do, gonna that. do that. Okay. You, right. you have to do that, yeah. and and you have to be open to discovery mm-hmm. and to surprise. Yeah. So you're sort of surprising yourself mm-hmm. so while you have, you're writing. So,
1: so it's a way to also learn from your mistakes, perhaps uh, through this process, or to at least reflect on what was going through your head that caused you to do something that wasn't necessarily. Something you wanted to do, or
0: well, that hmm. is the bonus you get in writing a memoir is that you do understand yourself a little bit better and you do see and acknowledge the patterns Mm -hmm. of your behavior a little Mm -hmm. bit better. That's a big reward, yeah. You talk and it's free.
1: free. (laughs) Uh, you talk about this idea of uh, confronting old wisdom in a fresh way. You say you can second guess yourself, even contradict yourself sometimes in front of the reader, and that self doubt is okay in personal writing. Can you talk about that?
0: Well, <laughs> I'm a big believer in self doubt <laughs> okay um, and particularly in writing a memoir. Um, I encourage memoir writers to ask questions while they're writing you know um that they should question their thinking. And that's another way to lead to these deeper levels of thinking. That's another way to go deep instead of just going wide. Mm. Um, How did I feel? But what else did I feel? Mm. That's an important question. What else did I feel? Was there another way to look at what I just said? You're constantly doubting your ability to remember, so you're challenging yourself to go further in your memory.
1: Are you also sometimes trying to figure out cause and effect, like uh, yes, yeah, yes? So, so why did I do what I did, or why did this happen the way it did? You're
0: always examining motivation, mm-hmm. and you're always examining the forces mm-hmm. that shaped you. Mm-hmm. And you're examining the forces that shape the people around you, too.
1: Oh, you've used the word, you know, going deeper, not wider, several times. So let's go deeper a little bit into this idea of reflection uh, and talk a little bit more about that, if you could.
0: Um, here are some questions I would ask people. I would ask memoirists to ask themselves. What were you thinking then? What are you thinking now? You have a then narrator. You have a now narrator. And I touched on this earlier when we were talking. But you're shifting back and forth between them. Um, And again, you're going vertical rather than horizontal.
1: You, you had kind of example what happens at Thanksgiving when you've written about your mother and your mother. <laughs> okay, now that's another
0: whole, subject. <laughs> that's whole subject, and that is a really good subject <laughs> that might to be talk going about.
1: Wide indeed, <laughs> <laughs> right?
0: And a little wonky. Yeah. Um, this is the question I get asked the most: is And it's asked by people who want to write memoir or who are in the middle of writing a memoir. And they're petrified because they're writing about people in their lives Um, and they're afraid of making that person angry or sad, or, you know, affecting that person in a negative way. So I talk about it. What happens at Thanksgiving, you know, when you put your mother in a book or you put your sister in a book? What happens around that table? Okay,
1: so it's not about what happened at Thanksgiving. It's what happens after you've written a book. Exactly,
0: and that book has come out, and that person (laughs) in your life has now been exposed. Um, That's a big subject Mm. for people who write memoir Mm. because— while it's true that you're free and you have permission to tell your own story, where your story ends and somebody else's story begins, is a little bit tricky, a little bit slippery. Right, it's because, not so clear cut
1: because your perception on what happened or what you saw in that person may not necessarily be what they were thinking in the moment or how they were exactly or what they were acting reacting to.
0: Yeah. Yes. Okay, so go back to Thanksgiving. Yep. Um let's say do you have a brother or a sister? I have a brother
1: and a sister. Okay. Yes. Let's
0: yeah. say you, your brother and your sister are talking about a Thanksgiving that you all were present at 10 years ago. Okay. And you say, "Oh, I remember, you know, Aunt Emma, she was drunk as she could be. Somebody mm-hmm. had to carry her off into the bedroom in the middle of Thanksgiving." And your brother says, Aunt Emma wasn't even there that year at Thanksgiving. (laughs) And then your sister says, she was fine. It wasn't Aunt Emma who was drunk. It was Uncle Mike who was drunk. Mm -hmm. I mean, family members, this, I know, this did not happen in your family, Landis. I'm sorry.
1: No, (laughs) (laughs) Forgive me. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about Emma later. Okay, Aunt Emma. (laughs) Aunt Emma, (laughs) yeah.
0: But, you know, each member of the family um, has a different lens through which they view these memories. So you're already... And really, each one of you is distorting the minute you start to remember. Right. What do you leave in? What do you take out of the memory?
1: So how do you deal with that when you know, you've done the courtesy of sharing your draft with your brother and your sister, mm-hmm. and they come back and they say, uh, you're totally wrong. That didn't how it happened.
0: You okay. Know? Back up a little bit. Okay. <laughs> I believe that you should not censor the material between when it comes into your head and when you put it down on paper. That is not the time to censor it. I think you have to tell the full story. You get everything that's essential to the story down on paper. No censoring. Mm-hmm. You betray them all. Okay. You write as though everybody you've ever known is dead and they are not there to question you,
1: okay? even (laughs) though
0: they are alive and kicking. We've
1: done that. We've got it down on paper. Okay, we've got it down (laughs) on paper. Now,
0: you can choose to give a draft to your brother and sister, but if you do that, you have to be willing to change what they would like for you to change. You have to be willing to cut the parts that they might want you to cut. I well, think that well, goes well, along with well, it. Well, in your
1: example, the whole chapter gets cut because Aunt Emma wasn't drunk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have an Aunt Emma, and she never even took a drink. I don't know why I use that name. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> I want to clear Aunt Emma here and now.
1: <laughs> that's, that's fine. But but the point being, you know, that they remembered it entirely differently than, than the way you remembered it. Um, But is it okay sometimes to say, this is how I remember it? Yes, yes. I think that's a
0: really good thing to say. And you can even say, other members of my family might remember this differently, but here's my version of it. You can say that. You can talk to the reader as though, you know, they're your friends. Mm. Um, But here's the thing. When you're writing about other people in your memoir you don't know what things people are going to be upset about and which things they're going to love. You just can't always tell, but you don't make decisions about what to cut and what to change until after you've written the whole memoir and revised it and revised it. Did
1: you, after sharing it with your family and anyone else you got on in the book, did you (laughs) change much from the book?
0: Okay. Let me give an example of that. Um, My agent, and nowadays I'll say this, nowadays agents edit more than editors do, which is a big surprise. But my agent um, read my book, of course, and then was ready to give me suggestions for revision. And one of the things she told me is, Judy, this book is about marriage, and you have two married children. I think you need to write about your children's marriages in the book. Now, I thought she was nuts to suggest that. (laughs) I mean, my children are really used to being written about. They've been written about since they were born. They don't blink an eye. They're fine with it. They really are. But my son-in-law and my daughter-in-law, when they married my children, they didn't sign on for their mother-in-law to write about them and publish right. it in a book. Right. So what I did is I went ahead and I wrote the chapter that my agent was asking for. I wrote about what I saw in my children's marriages, the good things I saw, the not-so-good things I saw, and then after I had finished the chapter, I gave the manuscript to all four of them and I said anything you're uncomfortable with I will change and they all were fine with it which sort of amazed me so why don't I read just the first page of the chapter where I go into great depth (laughs) describing (laughs) what I like seeing in my children's marriages and what I don't like seeing in my children's (laughs) marriages okay here's the beginning of that chapter No one really knows what goes on inside somebody else's marriage except for the people who are in it. Still, we look at the marriages around us and draw conclusions. We even wonder about our children's marriages, and we often have opinions. Do I tell them my opinions? Sometimes. Not a good idea. Should I put my opinions in a book A really bad idea. But this book is about marriage, about why and how two people come together and why and how they stay together. So part of what I think about marriage includes what I think about my children's marriages. Just as Henry and I have done, are doing, our children and their spouses are figuring out a way to shape a long-term marriage. All that robust effort, recovery, and rebuilding. Of course, this chapter could be viewed by my kids as a giant overstepping. So I sent it to them to see if they had a problem with anything I'd written. They didn't. That was a happy ending to that (laughs) dilemma, wasn't it? Did (laughs)
1: that surprise you that they didn't have any... I was shocked, yeah.
0: and, and honestly, so I gave it to the four of them. Um, my son and daughter had already read a draft of the book before I inserted the chapter about their marriages, so I wanted them to read this chapter. My son-in-law said, I'm not going to read it, Judy. I trust you. I would rather read your book after it's published. So that was a lot of trust.
1: Yeah, and I noticed, I mean, it's not like you totally— Deconstructed their lives or anything, or, or got into it. <laughs> I didn't it.
0: trash them. <laughs> no, but
1: but the one thing you did is, and maybe this is back to the twice as hard on myself as anyone else. But when you finished that chapter, you said there are times I really like what I see and hear in my children's marriages, and times when I don't. Sort of like my own marriage.
0: Exactly, right? exactly. They're yeah. just they're yeah. just doing the best they can, just as. My husband and I are doing the best we can.
1: One thing I found interesting, I was just glancing through this chapter again, and uh, you talk about the differences between Laurie and her husband, Bob, and how she is an extrovert and he's an introvert, and yes. she wants to talk everything out, and he's happy to go have a quiet moment, and it makes her <laughs> mad and that kind of thing. And you say, I don't know how often Laurie gets her way. I don't know how often Bob gets his
0: Exactly. Some
1: things a mother doesn't need to know, right?
0: Right. It, yeah, we observe and we draw conclusions, right. but and we presume to know, but we really don't know anything. Yeah. And that's the way it should be.
1: Um, okay. You talk about uh, we got about ten minutes left here on the show. Where you talk about writers getting worried about being sued and worried about damaging <laughs> the relationships. We talked a little about relationships with family here and writing about them, um, and you have some, you know. You have this quote from Terry Tempest Williams, the minute we pick up our pens, we are on the path of betrayal. Is that true for memoirs? <laughs> That's really
0: true. It, <laughs> it, it is absolutely true. Um, and I want to go back to what you said about writers worrying about being sued sure. and worrying about damaging their relationships with family members or close friends. Those are two separate issues, and we don't worry about Either one of those. I should have included the fear of being sued mm. when we were talking about the fear of upsetting family members okay. because those can be equally frightening to somebody writing a book and, th- and hoping that it will someday be widely published, widely yeah. distributed. But those are two separate issues, and neither one do you worry about while you're writing the book because both of those can intimidate you and stop you from writing Um, So they're not considerations until way, way past the revision process. But the quote that you just read about betraying people when we pick up our pen to write, let me talk to you a little bit about a well-known poet. Um, People who write poetry know the poet Sharon Oles, and her poetry is known for being very bold, particularly in exposing everybody close to her. She writes very honestly about her marriage, her parents, her whole family. And I heard her speak one time when she came to Charlotte, and what she talked about was when you don't tell it all, that's silence. When you do tell it all, that song. Okay, that's one way to look at it. But here's another way to look at it. When you don't tell it all, that's loyalty to the people you love. And when you do tell it all, that's betrayal, betraying the people you love. So you're deciding between silence and song, between loyalty and betrayal. Are you following me?
1: Yeah, I am, but just to... to kind of extrapolate on that a second so if you're going to write it and they know you're going to write it and you're going to put this out there uh to be truthful it would seem you wouldn't leave something out you would tell what's important and integral to the story right to, to what you're trying to to tell but but on the other hand if you don't want to show that ann m was drinking it mm-hmm. thanksgiving you might leave that little part out but that would be a part of her personality or her experience that has not been included in the entire story
0: which is why I say the minute you start remembering experiences, you're distorting those experiences, particularly by what you include in your story and what you delete from your story. You're, you're changing the story just by remembering it. You may not even remember all the parts of the story. So that's
1: a distortion, too. Well, how am I going to write a memoir if I can't remember <laughs>
0: <laughs> we just do the best we can with what yeah. we have to work with yeah. that's all yeah. that's yeah. exactly and so um this was fiction but my first novel was a thinly veiled story of my older sister and me i didn't write the memoir about my sister and me until years later Um, And that the memoir about my sister and me was published after my sister died. But the novel that I wrote, which was very obviously about her and me, I just didn't have the guts to write a memoir. So I Mm -hmm. thought I was disguising everything by putting it in a novel, I was so afraid that she would hate it, that she would hate it. And actually, she loved my novel because the character based on her was strong and independent and robust and quite admirable. And so at one of my readings, she was actually signing books and signing it her character's
1: name. There you go. So
0: see, but I worried for three years how she would react to it. You
1: brought out the good qualities and put it in her character. Well, So, Some
0: people might say a little bit too independent. Some people mm-hmm. might say a little bit too robust, but she didn't see it that way. She saw it as positive. So we can't second guess what other people are going to, how other people are going to react to what we've written. We just don't
1: know. So just a couple of quick questions I've got. So there are different types of memoir writing. So you, you, you took a topic, you know, uh, you tied two things together, Your your marriage thread, and the the thread from this uh, medical mishap, and you reflected on those threads throughout the book and brought them together at times, and they went out in different directions at times. Um, And it went over, one of them was a shorter period of time, one of them was a much longer period of time. Correct. So different types of memoir writing, you can take probably a snapshot in time, perhaps. Yes. Make it short, perhaps some can be flash fiction, it can be the length of a short story. But that that snapshot could also relate. And then you got maybe the, the entire movie reel, right, from the beginning of your marriage to the end. Yes. How, how many different types are there of memoir? That,
0: well, you're talking about structure. Stru-
1: I guess that's structure, And you're yeah. talking
0: about time frame. Okay. And those are important decisions for memoirists to make. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've read a memoir that just told the story of what happened in 24 hours. And it was exquisite detail Mm -hmm. about those 24 hours. Um, I think the mistake that beginning memoirists make is that they think they have to tell the whole arc of a life mm. and most memoirs don't tell the whole entire life story of the person writing oh, the book well, that's
1: no good you can't write b- one book then right
0: <laughs> well yeah. the good thing is <laughs> there's always something left to write about that's, that's a right. positive yeah, thing yeah, yeah, yeah
1: so break it up into different parts and
0: you're narrowing yeah. down your subject when you write memoir you're mm-hmm. really narrowing down your subject and you're keeping it quite intense
1: yeah and i've heard uh of, of memoirs to, actually, will take their perhaps interactions with interesting people, and they write their memoir that way, through their encounters with famous That's people. That's interesting. Yeah. I like that idea. Y- yeah, and so you're telling a story by learning about the people that they interact with. So the so that the book draws you perhaps because of not only just their life, but the but the lives of the people that they. Interact with. Yes, yeah.
0: and and the way that those lives of those other people impact yeah. the memoirist yeah. too. Yeah. But yeah. when I I want to say one other thing about that structure and the braid that I used mm-hmm. for this memoir sure. together. Sure. Um, the very first reader, I swipe manuscripts with other writers, and we read each other's manuscripts. The very first reader I had said, Judy, you have two, sto- you have two books here. Two stories. They don't belong together.
1: And you said?
0: And I put it away for about six <laughs> months. I thought, <laughs> well, I don't have a book. And then I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. I can yeah. put those two together.
1: Yeah. So sometimes um i mean you use the word paralysis which was a serious thing that happened in this book but sometimes authors can become paralyzed in terms of how to start you know they've got this idea this thing happened in their life what do you recommend it's
0: very daunting the idea of starting a book i think that you have to break it down into bite-sized pieces, and you have to believe. Well, for me, when I started writing a novel, I was very intimidated because I'd always written poetry, which are these tiny little portable things that you work on. And yeah. here I am thinking I'm going to write a novel. But
1: writing less does not necessarily mean it takes less, less time. time. But it I, but sometimes in my takes mind more time. Yeah, write,
0: but yeah. in my mind, yeah. I thought, how am I yeah. going to? accumulate all those pages. So I did some research. I studied the New York Times Sunday book review section for many Sundays, and I found that the shortest book that was still called a novel was 206 pages. So when people asked me what I was working on, I would say I'm writing a (laughs) 206-page novel. That was my goal. All you have to write, Judy, is 206 pages. And that has stayed with me with every book. When I started this book, this memoir together... Even though it was my fourth book of prose, I was still so daunted by the task of writing a book, Mm. all caps. And so I just thought, you just have to get 206 pages. You can do that.
1: Mm. Yeah. So routines, Judy, um, when you're writing a memoir, do you, how do you go about it? Do you? Do you sit down in the morning, in the evening, in the middle of the day? or?
0: Well, you can't wait for inspiration Just to strike. <laughs> I'll tell you that because it won't.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I think that you have to write regularly. It's like yeah. exercise. You okay. have to do it on a regular basis. But it doesn't mean that you have to write every day because life intervenes. Yeah. But for me, the discipline is doing everything else. I love sinking into a big project. That, to me, is delicious. It is delicious. Mm. Um, And then I have to work to go to the drugstore and go to the grocery store and do everything else in a life because this is what I would really be happy doing is starting off first thing in the morning and all of a sudden it's 5 o'clock and I spend all day writing.
1: That's great. Okay, just a couple of recaps before I ask a few final questions here. We've got a difference between memoir an autobiography, um, you know, autobiography is sort of the, as Judy says, the epic chronology of your life. Uh, but that's not for most of us because we haven't been president of the United States. Exactly. <laughs> but, our uh, secretary of we're state. secretary of state, mm-hmm. so we have to do what's the important work here, which is the reflection and the analysis of why those events in our lives are important. And through that, I think people can relate to our stories. Uh, through their own stories, they can see some of their own stories yes. through what we're telling. Yeah, we're
0: creating a relationship, a very intimate relationship between the writer and the reader, as though mm-hmm. we're sitting down in front of a fire and talking.
1: Yeah, and reflection, uh, as you say, is so important in memoir writing. Um, it's not just the facts, ma'am. you got to go in there and you got to think about it. But you got to balance, as you say, this is an important point, balance this dramatic narrative with the reflective analysis. In yes. some chapters in your book, I noticed the dramatic narrative is only a piece, and the reflection is a lot more. But in the one example you read, the narrative was most of with one a one sentence right. reflection at the end. So you, you kind of and point of view. I didn't even ask you that, but is it usually it's always first person? Well, yeah. there yeah.
0: are memoirs written in second person and third yeah. person, yeah. but I think that's a little bit um, a little contrived. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And so you got voice of experience and the um, and and the innocent voice. The innocent voice is more. Remembering what happened. The voice of experience is bringing that mature voice to the Landis, table. Landis,
0: you are making an A-plus in this well, class. have got your Go no- to the head of I've, the class. I've got
1: your notes here, Judy, so it's easy. <laughs> I'm just reviewing my notes from, from, from our conversation here. Um, and then we have the whole thing about uh, getting sued and, and, and your in-laws divorcing you at uh, <laughs> right. at Thanksgiving and sharing it, uh, being open to their feedback and um uh, or not, or not, or not. You know, your, your decision, but you know you want to maintain some family relationships going forward. It's a too. decision
0: <laughs> you make over and over.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then you had some uh, good good comments about how to do this through your notebooks and one at your desk, maybe one you carry around with you. And um, but you also added question your own thinking. You know, as you as you think about how you how these things impacted your life and what they made you consider, uh, look at it at how you saw it then, but look at it now.
0: Who am I now in light of who I was? That's a question.
1: Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, and so just a couple of final questions here. Judy, I want to ask you, um, why do you love writing memoirs so much?
0: Because I can't invent. Hmm. I'm just awful at making things up. I can make things up in conversation, and I'm working really hard not to do that. I'm working hard (laughs) to be more honest in my everyday life. But as far as my writing goes, I wrote two novels, but I was really not good at making Mm -hmm. things up. I would much rather write from my own experiences. Mm -hmm. I would much rather write about what preoccupies me. Mm -hmm. And I started out in poetry. Memoir is so close to poetry. Mm -hmm. I think that they both use the language... Feeling.
1: Is there a common mistake that most uh, writers make when they start wanting to write their memoir? Uh, Something that jumps out at you more than anything else? Uh, Mm -hmm. any, Any theme that runs through?
0: Well, I guess I would go back to what we talked about earlier in the conversation, mm-hmm. um, that belief that all you have to do is write down okay. what happened. Sorry. People are always saying to me, oh, let me tell you what happened to me. Judy, you can write a book about that. I got you. Well, there's a good reason I can't write a book about what happened to you mm-hmm. because it I'm not going to have feelings about it. It didn't change my life. In the course of a memoir, you need to show how you were changed by those experiences mm-hmm. or how you were not changed by those experiences.
1: Do you, are, do you get uh, satisfaction out of working with students of memoir?
0: Oh, I do. I yeah. do. I love people's stories. I love how honest... Memoirs are I, at any writers conference now I'm very prejudiced when I say this right. but at any writers conference I think the memoir group is by far the most interesting because we're sitting around a table talking mm. about what matters That's
1: cuz I signed up for your class and, you? Well it's not about <laughs> me it's
0: about the subject of memoir yeah. that we mm. all understand right. that the little things in our lives matter that our lives matter. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. And that makes for a fabulous discussion.
1: Are you ever going to write a book about writing memoir? No,
0: because I plagiarize so much from other right. memoirists and yeah. what I teach and mm-hmm. at this point I've been teaching so long, mm-hmm. I don't remember what came from other people <laughs> and what came from my own head. And so no. I would be walking a dangerous path. Yeah.
1: You got all these uh, and we're going to finish up here. You got all these uh good guidelines swirling around your head about how to write memoir. Um, Is there one of them or two of them that that jump out at you the most that that if only you had really known those when you got started, it wouldn't have been as much of a struggle to get from there to where you are now?
0: Everything we talked about today, I needed to know. And honestly, most of it I did not know when I wrote and published my first memoir, I don't know how that memoir got published because mm-hmm. there was so much I did not know then. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you think you're being a little hard on yourself there?
0: No, I'm not. Okay. I'm really not. My current agent taught me so much about writing memoir. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think there's a big difference between my first memoir and my second memoir. And I'm not being puffed up over my second memoir and I'm not being hard mm-hmm. on myself about my first one. I'm just saying I know so much more about writing memoir now than I knew then. Mm.
1: And I know so much more now than I knew an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> <Thanks>. You're <laughs> such a good interviewer. You <laughs> asked the best questions. Uh, <laughs> well, you're too kind. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you so much for doing this uh judy for coming in the studio Uh, i I know that uh i hope we got some listeners out there they're going to write write their stories and use some of the tips you've given them today to do that and uh again thank you so much for being here i hope
0: they're writing right now right now (laughs) yeah (laughs) well at least
1: let the episode finish (laughs) right exactly maybe five
0: minutes from now (laughs) start when the music stops they can go (laughs) okay
1: thanks thanks judy (laughs) thank you